Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. So this morning we are in part six, only two weeks left of this series that we're calling Be the Church. And the purpose of this series is to take us beyond simply attending church and move into becoming the church that God has called us to be. After all, we are called as a church to reflect what Jesus has already modeled. Amen? Lord, where you go, I will go. What you speak, I will speak. What you pray, I will pray. What you do, I will will do. Now, if you remember, every single week I've shared this with you. Our purpose, our mission as Encounter Church or the church corporately is to accomplish or even complete the mission that Jesus began while here on earth. Have you heard that before? I've said that almost every single week. Why do I keep repeating that over and over and over and over? Because sometimes we need to hear things more than once. You don't believe that. Then tell your husband just one time to take out the trash. I'm just saying, we need to be reminded from time to time of what's happening. We need to be told again and again. So let me say it again. Our purpose, our mission as a church is to accomplish or even complete the mission that Jesus began for us so long ago. You see, what I've discovered about God's word is this. Before we can ever be effective on the outside... We must learn to let God do the work on the inside. Before we can ever accomplish anything of lasting value outside of these walls, something needs to change on the inside of our lives. That's what we've been talking about up to this point. Five weeks of really diving in to what does it mean to change on the inside. If you haven't begun to let God do a work on the inside, let me challenge you. There's no day like today. Today is your moment. Today, you can draw that line in the sand. Today, you can make that a definitive line and say, Lord, no longer am I going to be who I used to be. But Lord, from this day forward, Lord, I pray that you will change me on the inside so I can make an impact on the outside. Now, today, we're going to take this one step further. Because here's what I've learned. It's not enough to just have a change on the inside. If I don't put action steps to that change, then all that's changed is me. And this walk with God, this Christian lifestyle, was never meant to be a personal, isolated relationship. I got one amen out of that. Did you know that? This heart change, this life change, the moment that he saved you was not so that you and you alone could be changed, but so that you can make an impact on the person beside you, and they can make an impact on the person beside them, and they can make an impact on the person beside them. And we had this continual transformation and change. Why? Because you gave your life to Christ, and you were willing to follow and go. It's vital. 
It's vital that we take the steps to apply the very word of God. After all, I've said it numerous times, being the church, and that's what we've called this series, being the church is, is more than just attending on a Sunday morning. It's more than just volunteering, whether that's in the nursery or as a greeter in the AV booth or, or teaching kids or a life group host. It's more than all of that. Being the church, listen carefully, is actively pursuing an opportunity to be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus to a world that is so far from him. That's what it means to be the church. To look for opportunities, to pursue an opportunity, to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what change would you allow me to make on this broken world around me? God, give me a moment to speak into somebody's life about your hope, about what you have in store. It's time that the church ceases to just exist and begin to function with the passion and the drive that he's called us to have. So what does it take? We've taken the time to, to look at love and, and some foundations over the last few weeks, but what does it take to put that into action? Now, that's scaring some of you right now. Because some of you, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but some of you would rather just kind of hide out. Do I have any people that would rather hide out this morning? See, I knew you wouldn't raise your hand. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to ask a question, see what happens. Because those that raise their hand, they really don't want to hide out. They want a moment to go, woohoo. Do I have any people that just want to go, woohoo? See, there are some crazies in the house, and there are some of you that are super, super quiet in the house. But, but in this moment, I, I'm told that regardless whether you're an extrovert or whether you're an introvert or an extra introvert or, or whatever the combinations they're creating of all of that today, regardless of who you are, we are all called to go and to do and to be the church. Look at this scripture. Luke chapter 10. It says, the Lord now chose, hold on to that word, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. Listen carefully to the instructions. The harvest is great. What does that mean? That means there are a lot of people that are lost and need Jesus. Is that applicable to today? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. We're going to break this section of scripture apart this morning so again, I would highly encourage you to take really good notes. I'm going to give you six observations of our mission. Six things that I see out of this text that I really believe that if we would apply it, we would move one step closer to be in the church. Number one, you have been chosen. You have been chosen. 
Look at your neighbor this morning and say, that includes you. Every person in this room this morning, all 125 or 130 of you in this room this morning have been chosen. Not a single one of you are left out. Oh, well, pastor, you don't understand. You don't know my inabilities. You don't know my shortcomings. You don't know. I don't need to know because what I know is you've been chosen. You have been chosen. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to go. Now, some translations, rather than using the word chosen, some use appointed, some use selected, but regardless what word we use here, the original definition still holds true. Look at the word chose. According to the Greek, this is what it means. To proclaim anyone as elected to office. So that's the first definition. To proclaim anyone as elected to to office. The second is this, to lift up anything on high and exhibit it for all to behold. Now, look at this. There are, there are two levels to this choosing or this calling. The first is a proclamation that God has chosen you, that he's called you by name. We've been processing through this idea for the last several weeks, so I'm not going to take the time this morning to re-preach it, understand it, and suffice it to say that you have been chosen. God has called you by name. When I first got into the ministry many years ago, I was much younger than I am now, and, and in that moment, I, I remember I was at a youth uh, camp, a leadership youth camp, took some of my youth with me, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and and I'm in the back of the room, the students are all up front, and they're praying, and I'm in the back of the room, and I'm thinking to myself, God, I can't do this. I'm not qualified to do this. I've got these students here, and you're pouring into their lives, and I'm not really sure how to hold this, and God spoke out of his word to my life, and he said, I've chosen you. I've called you by name. I knew all about you while you were in your mama's belly, while I was developing you there. I already had this plan established for you, and I'm here to tell you, he's got the same plan for you. It may not look like this, but he's called you and chosen you to be a vocal point for him, to be his hands, to be his feet, to share hope to the hopeless. God has chosen you. He's appointed you. And the second it's sometimes hard for us to grasp because, again, some of you don't like the spotlight. Look what it says. To lift up anything on high or exhibit it for all to behold. What does that mean to us? Well, simply put, our walk with God cannot be hidden under a basket. But it be, must be used to proudly proclaim to a lost world the love of Jesus Christ. How easy it is for us to 
to walk out of these doors and we've just been challenged by the Word of God and we walk out the door and we, we put this basket over us and we just kind of walk around with the basket and we refuse to share the hope of Jesus Christ with anyone, not because we don't believe it, but because we're scared, because we doubt, because we fear, because we're wondering how are they going to respond and all of these things are going on in our minds. So we just put that basket over our head and think, I don't need to do anything. I'll just wait until next Sunday morning and I'll process through it again. The Bible says that God has chosen you. Not only has he appointed you to this position or to this moment for times such as this, but he's lifted you up on high to exhibit you for all to behold. God has called you. It's hard for us to grasp this. Some want nothing more than to hide behind the scenes that we must boldly take that step forward to accomplish the task that God has set before us. Listen to the words of Pastor Rick Warren. He once said this, you were put on earth to make a contribution. Did you, did you know that? You were put on earth to make a contribution. You weren't created just to consume resources, to eat and breathe and take up space. God designed you to make a difference with your life. Can I just pause a moment and say, there's no greater difference than to share the love of Jesus with somebody and watch their life be radically changed for all eternity? That's the greatest difference you can make. While many best-selling books offer advice of how to get the most out of life, that's not the reason God made you. Did you know that? God didn't make you so that you could have your best life now. He, God didn't make you so that you could get the most out of life. God made you so that you could make an impact for the kingdom of God. You were created to add to life on earth, not just take from it. God wants you to give something back. What are you doing with this calling? God has appointed you. What are you doing with this? Grab a hold of this. If we fail to accept the calling, then we fail to be the church. Think about that. If we fail to accept the calling, then we fail to be the church. John chapter 15 says this, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Who is talking here? Jesus. Jesus said, guys, here's the deal. You didn't choose me. You didn't pick me out of a lineup and say, ah, oh, you're the one that should be the Messiah. But Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And the reason that I chose you is so that you would go and produce lasting fruits. Not temporary, but lasting fruits. And here's the good news. He knows your weaknesses. 
He knows your abilities or even your inabilities. He knows the list of reasons why you think you can't. He knows the doubt that you have in your mind, yet he still chose you. Isn't that cool? Because we can come up with all sorts of reasons why we can't. Do you remember Moses? God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and and have a conversation with Pharaoh so that the Israelite children would be released out of slavery. And what did Moses do? He began to come up with all sorts of excuses why it's just not feasible for him to do that. Yet what did God do? God used Moses in a miraculous way. Look at our second observation. Only a few will respond. Number one, you have been chosen. Every one of us to give our lives to Jesus have been chosen. The second observation is a sad truth. Only a few will respond. In other words, only a few will truly be the church. Can I pause a second and say this? That is not an excuse for you to refuse. Well, there's so many others that are refusing. I might as well join in with them. No. God's called you. He's got a purpose for you. But only a few will respond. Verse 2 says this, These were his instructions. The harvest is great. There are so many people that need to know Jesus. But the workers are few. The truth is, we've all been called by God to be workers, to reach out, to reach the lost. The reality is only a few will respond to that call. So how can we truly fulfill the the great commandment, you know, to love God and, and love people if we're not willing to go to the fullest extent to reach the lost and to go where they are? I mean, You hold in your hands, if you've given your life to Jesus, you hold in your hands, you have the knowledge, you have the answer to so many questions in life. It's time that we allow that truth to shine, to remove the basket, to uncover this life, and to truly allow God to exhibit us for all to behold. It's time to be the church in which the gates of hell cannot conquer. And the only way that we will ever accomplish this task is if the church will truly take the stand and do what we've been called to do. But here's what I've discovered. As long as we sit passively by, hell will win every time. Are you grabbing that? Some of you need to write that down and circle that. As long as as we, the church, individually and corporately, as long as we sit passively by, hell will win every time. But Matthew chapter 5 says this, you are the light of the world, like a, say it with me, city on a hilltop, say it again, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. 
You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. But I hear what you're saying right now. I can hear your thoughts. You say, come on, pastor. Have you seen how crazy they are out there? They will devour me in an instant. It won't take very long. I'll be overtaken. You're right. By yourself, you will be overcome. But the good news is, you don't have to go alone. Because Jesus just said this, what? He said, you are the light of the world like a city. He didn't say like a flashlight. I've never noticed this until I was working on this message about a week and a half ago or so. I've always thought of just the light, shining a light, and on top of the hill you see the light of the city, but, but it's more than just a flashlight, it's more than just piercing the darkness, a city is not alone. You see, as you go out beyond these walls, as you truly begin to be the church, you don't have to go at it by yourself. We have a city right here. We have a a community right here. That if we will truly function as that city, we can be a light in the midst of the darkness. But we must each do our parts. There are still some of you that are kind of timid. You're, You're still wanting to hold back. I want you to know it's time to step into the power that God has given us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as the assemblies of God, this is one of our steadfast scriptures. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power is the word dunamis, which means dynamite or explosive. You'll receive explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? Why do we receive this power? So you can be witnesses telling people about me or jesus everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea in samaria and to the ends of the earth now next week we're going to process this scripture just a little bit more but here's my question how did the early church receive this power what led up to acts chapter 2 verse 4 when it says the holy spirit fell upon the room what were they doing Do you remember? They were in prayer. They met together in the upper room and they joined. Jesus said, don't leave this place until the the promise comes. And they they joined together in the upper room and they began to seek the very face of God and and call out to God. So that leads us to our, our third observation. Your first response must be prayer. Your first response cannot be, let's take the city by storm. Because I'm telling you what, the wolves will devour you. Because you won't be going where he says go. You won't be doing what he says do. You won't be speaking what he says speak. You'll be doing what you think you should do and going where you think you should go and speaking what you think you should speak. And how many of you know sometimes we can do the wrong thing? Prayer is the key. They sought the face of God. 
They waited on him. They were people of prayer. Luke chapter 10 says this, So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. We spend so much time trying to accomplish greatness or mighty things on our own. And oftentimes, that attempt leaves us frustrated or even discouraged. You see, the only way that we can ever accomplish anything of lasting value is to place it in the hands of God and God alone. Jesus was saying to his disciples, there may not be an abundance of workers. There may be those that you thought and you expected to respond, but they didn't. It's not in your ability to to bring them along. Only God can do that. But he says, pray. And I believe we're supposed to pray two things. The first prayer is this. God, what would you have me to do? That's that's sometimes scary. Because when we say that, guess what God's going to do? He's going to tell you what he has you to do. And then you've got another choice to make. Do I listen or not? But your first prayer must be, God, what would you have me to do? God, what opportunities do you want to lay in front of me? God, what role can I play in letting this light shine into the world? God, what can I bring to my neighbors, to my coworkers, to my friends, to my family? God, what impact, what difference can I make? God, how do you want to use me to help reach my classmates for Jesus? And the second prayer is this. God, bring my fellow Christians to the front line as well. Lord, would you speak? Maybe you want to just kind of single out your network of friends. God, would you speak to John? And God, would you speak to Andy? God, would you speak to Sally? And God, would you speak to to Susie? God, would you help them just to to receive that call, to, to grab a hold of that and to respond to you? You see, we can't force them. Only God can speak into their lives. We are called to go and to make disciples, to take the initiative, to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus. But it all begins with prayer. Look at our fourth observation. It's imperative that you go. It's imperative that you go. Number one, you have been chosen. Number two, only a few will respond. Number three, you must respond with prayer. And number four, it's imperative that you go. Why did I use the word imperative? Because I believe that's a strong word. I could have said it's, it's, it's needed that you go. Important that you go. But imperative to me... Uh, It brings along an idea of urgency. And I don't know about you, but there's urgency for the church to go. There's urgency for the people of God to step up and be the church. It's imperative that you go. Look what the Bible says. Now go. Now go. And remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Boy, we were really good and excited on the go part, but that lamb among wolves part, mm, that's a little scary, right? And I began to process that, man, God, what are you setting us up for? 
God, you're sitting there, we're, we're lambs, we're not even full-fledged sheep. Right? Are you trekking with me? And they're not a pup. I don't know what you call a baby wolf. I'm going to say a pup. We're going to go with that. Is that right? Okay. Look at that. Smarter than I thought. That's inspiration of the Holy Spirit right there. So, so now we've got a baby sheep, a lamb, against a full-grown wolf. That sounds fair. And I began to think about that. But on our team, <laughs> you ready for this? We have the Lion of Judah. Some of you are like, who's that? <laughs> We're talking about God, you know, the big guy. The Lion of Judah is on our team. So even though we are lambs going into the wolves, the lion is on our side. And what I've discovered is this, the lion beats the wolf every time. Boy, I almost got so excited, I almost threw my iPad. That was close. Whew. It almost came out of my hand. The lion wins, and we're on the lion's team. So even though we're this little bitty lamb facing the big bad wolf, the lion is right there beside us every step we take. Why? Because we're going where he goes. We're speaking what he speaks. We're praying what he prays. We're saying what he says. We're truly being the church in which the gates of hell cannot prevail. Why? Because the lion wins every time. Every time. God would not send you on a mission that's impossible for you to accomplish. He's setting you up for success. So here's the question. Are you willing to go? Boy, that got really quiet. <laughs> you guys are just like, woohoo, yeah! <laughs> What's for lunch? <laughs> are you willing to go? Is Encounter Church to go? Ready to go? I'm here to tell you, yes, this church is going whether you go with us or not. Amen. Why? Because we've been called to go. And by the way, this side was excited. You guys will get there. <laughs> we have been called to go. I'm excited to tell you that, that there are those in this community that are already recognizing that this church is willing to be the church. I got a card from one of the elementary schools, and I meant to bring it up here with me, but I got this card from one of the elementary schools, and they simply said this in the card, thank you for being the church. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you for being the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus. This came from the public school to this church. Isn't that awesome? We are being a light. But the question is not, are we willing to go? Again, we're going. The question is, are you going with us? Let me give you some statistics real quick. 39.6% of those that live in the city of Sedalia, and the same for Pettis County, claim to have no religious connection at all. Now, let me just be honest. I believe that statistic is low. 
I believe it's really higher than that, but we're, we're just going to hang out with that. 39.6% of those in Sedalia and those in Pettis County claim no religious connection at all. So let's do a couple uh, number things here. For Sedalia, the population currently 21,718. That's the most recent population given for Sedalia. That means that 8,600 people are lost without Jesus. Can I just tell you that's more than twice the size of the community I grew up in? I grew up in a community of 3,704, and I believe that was counting people's dogs and, and pets. Yeah. So that was dub, more than double my hometown community. 8,600 are lost without Jesus. In Pettis County, as recent as July 2018, there are 42,542 people. That means 16,847 people claim no connection with God. But some of you are not from Sedalia. Some of you are not from Pettis County. We reach about a 35-mile radius around this community. So let's take this a little further. We reach approximately seven counties as a church. Can you believe that? Isn't that insane? Seven counties. That means we reach into approximately 200,000 people every single week. That's the impact that we have the potential of making. 200,000 people. So just to keep this thing consistent, let's use that statistic of 39.6%. Again, I believe it's low, but just for the fun of it, let's keep it the same. Of 200,000, 39.6% is 79,000 200 people have no connection, and they admit this, no connection with God or the church whatsoever. I would venture to say that it's vitally important that the church begin to take a stand. It's time that we, the body of Christ, step up and speak up for the kingdom of God. Why? Because our time on this earth is short. And if the church doesn't stand up, hell will win every time. Number five, look for opportunities where you are. Do you think there are opportunities for you to share the good news of Jesus? If you live within one of those seven counties, there's potential of 79,200 people that you encounter every day. Do you think you ever see them? Absolutely. So look for opportunities where you are. The Bible says, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Now, there's so much that we could talk about in this scripture. Um, but the first thing that I thought of when I read it is we must learn to grow where we're planted. Too often we're guilty of, of jumping ship when things get difficult. Or when something happens that we don't like. But Jesus is saying, stay put. Stay where you are. There are some of you here today that God is dealing with you and he wants you to begin to blossom where you're planted. But you're fighting back against that. You're ready to give up. You're ready to change the scenery. You're ready to throw in the towel. But God says, don't uproot, but look for an opportunity where you are. Could it be? Could it be that, that God is placing opportunities in your path so that you can be a city on a hill? 
Could it be that, that God is placing opportunities in front of you so that you can truly be the church? I challenge you this week, sit down and say, Lord, where are the opportunities that you've given me that I've missed? Let me give you a few just to help you get thinking. Number one would be this. It starts with prayer. Lord, give me opportunities. Maybe you say, I don't even think I have any opportunities. Lord, give me opportunities. Number two, let your speech match your claims. Or vice versa, let your claims match your speech. In other words, begin to move in unison with what you say you believe and what you actually do. Number three, take the time to listen. There may be that person in your life that they are longing for somebody to talk to. Oh, pastor, I'm not a counselor. I'm not asking you to be a counselor because I admit I'm not a counselor. I've got a great Christian counselor that I refer people to. But I'm sure willing to listen. Next, simply invite them to church. That's not the the all in all, but that sure gives them a place to connect. We make available for you the invite cards in the back, so I encourage you, grab a stack of those. Maybe it's this, volunteer in your community. Volunteer in your community. Every Monday at 1.45, I leave the church, Pastor Andy and I leave the church, and we head over to one of the elementary schools, and we get to mentor little guys. Third grader, hanging out with, with Terrell, love hanging out with Terrell beginning to see a breakthrough. It took him about a semester to even remember my name. But this week he gave me a hug as I was leaving. It's been a year and a half, but he gave me a hug. He actually looked at me and he said this, is your church, now but mind you, he doesn't go to church anywhere. Is your church the one with the big E? I said, that's it. So if I give my mom your card and she calls, can you pick me up and can we get ice cream? I don't know how the big E and ice cream fit together, but hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Begin to volunteer in your community. Where's a place that you can connect? Uh, next, let your relationship with Jesus be a regular part of your speech. In other words, share with people what is Jesus doing in your life? Has he recently done something that blew your mind? Share that with somebody. Don't keep that to yourself. Uh, this leads to the next one. Don't hide your faith. Remember, you are a, a light on a hillside, a, a city on a hill. A light is not hidden, but a light penetrates the dark. Next, let your joy for God shine in your life. Many people look at you and say, man, what is different about you? It's Jesus. Finally, be more observant of others. Don't be so consumed. I've got this task and that task and that task, and we miss out on everything else that's around us. Be observant of what's around you. Maybe God is setting something up for you to have an opportunity to be the church. This week, uh, several of you are gathering together and encourage you, help out with this if you can. We are moving our family fest to the community. We're having seven different mini family fests all around the community. In other words, we're going to have inflatables, we're going to have games, we're going to have free hot dogs, and, and out, because it's supposed to snow, we're going to have hot chocolate instead of water. Snow on Halloween. Global warming, I think. No? No, that's not it. That's... 
But several of you are going to be teaming together. You're going to be helping out on these hot spots. And we're going to truly be the church in our community. I would encourage you, uh, look for this opportunity. Perhaps we can make an impact on the 39.6% of people that claim no connection with God. And finally, number six, your responsibility. You ready for this? Your responsibility, not my responsibility alone, not the church's responsibility simply corporately, but your responsibility individually. Why? Because you've been called. Your responsibility is to share Jesus. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this. The kingdom of God is near. Did you see this? Did you see what I'm seeing here? This is going to be so incredibly freeing for many of you. Your responsibility is not to convert them or even force them to listen. Let me say that again because I don't think you heard me. Your responsibility is not to get anyone saved. Your responsibility is not to convert them. Your responsibility is simply to share the good news. The Bible says only He can cause the increase. Only He can bring that person to that point and that moment of repentance. It's up to them whether they accept or not. If they refuse, Keep praying for them, but don't beat yourself up. Get up and begin to move forward with God. Look for more opportunities. Now remember, we read it a moment ago, Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? To be witnesses. That power is not a, a superhero power. I love watching superhero movies. But that's, it's not a power so that suddenly I can fly or I can stick to walls. But it's so that I can be a witness. The word witness by definition, here's what I want you to grasp and we're wrapping it up. Witness is defined as this. One who has personal knowledge of something. Pastor Andy was a, a witness of a car accident this week. I think it was Wednesday morning, I believe. He was... He was sitting at the tire shop and getting ready to get new tires and right in front of him, a car accident. So he was a witness to that accident. Why? Because he has personal knowledge of something. Let me ask you, do you have knowledge of the good news of Jesus? Do you have knowledge that he forgave you and saved you from your sins? Do you have knowledge that he's changed your life? Do you have knowledge that he's always been there for you in good times and in bad times? Then, according to this definition, we are called to be a witness, to do something with the knowledge that we have, to be the church, to get up, to go, to do what God's called us to do. Sitting back is no longer an option. It's time to take on the mission and move forward. What is the mission? Go into the world. 
Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. So I ask you, where is it you need to look today? Where is that opportunity that God's setting before you? It's time to be the church.